0: So, yeah, you are both named Ian. You both have wives. Um, I just have a—I have a girlfriend. I shouldn't say I just have a girlfriend. But, you um, just have a girl. Wow. Hope, well, no, I, well, hope she, I hope mean, she doesn't listen to this. It, it is interesting. We were talking the other day about, like, the idea of girlfriend versus partner in the nomenclature. Mm-hmm. And, and part of it was, like, I was wondering, is the idea of calling it a partner, is that, like, a way of putting off Making the leap from girlfriend to wife? Is it being like you can just be partners? Oh, I see. Like you're, oh, oh I, you know, your girlfriend, it's like maybe a younger thing. Right. And there's then, an,
1: there's a juvenile element to the term mm. girlfriend or boyfriend for that matter. Right. That but isn't guess, there in partner?
0: You know, maybe when you're 50 and you're still searching or circumstances come uh, differently to you and you're not so lucky, <laughs> maybe then yeah, you, I you don't a, want to. Have I had a high
2: care. school. A high school art teacher who had a partner for quite a long time uh-huh. but they but they ended up they were married but they were still partners and that was the first time i heard of that term ever before um and i was confused and now 20 years later or so 15 years later it's just so much more of a common uh common way of putting common things that i guess uh,
0: yeah well, yeah common well, partner, nomenclature partner, uh, also i guess it was a big thing with like gay mar- rather than gay marriage it was like partnerships or whatever just say you're married you know who cares Union, if it's yeah. legal anyway yeah um i don't i have no idea what bob dylan thought about gay marriage <laughs> during the period i've heard there's some there's some
2: there's some suppressed recordings from his sermons during this exact period we're about to talk about where he oh, has really? things he has, to say about
0: because he? he he maybe felt bad about that because i know that in like yeah. the last 10 years there was that like a one-off on a compilation of songs for gay marriage um and Mm -hmm. oh right yeah yeah yeah. and and he did a a version of um she's funny that way or or rather he's funny that way i don't know what the original was but anyway he's singing it to a man from a man so it's beautiful funny that way it's it's very cute and touching
2: yeah i was in preparation for this for this podcast i was looking up finding ways to how to watch the trouble no more uh live concert documentary did you did you end up and finding I f-
1: that i i meant to respond I, and I completely failed to to do it
2: i found it it's on amazon prime and it's the most brimstone of his brimstone uh christian Hell stuff yeah. and I don't he know seems what I'm like
0: i'm gonna talk about if I, I haven't even seen this so
2: we don't have to talk about that because i honestly i watched it the other night and i was like this is not exactly what i hoped it would be <laughs> no <laughs> No, even like even like I'm thinking about like their disc before the disc we're about to talk about with that groom still waiting in the at the altar with Santana by the way on guitar. Yes, sir. And that stuff is just so fiery that the stuff I watched in the documentary was like I kind of get why. This isn't a widespread release.
0: We, we should uh, introduce you uh, really sure. briefly
1: and the show.
0: Uh, yeah, this is the show is Jokerman podcast. <laughs> is Joker, in
1: case you were confused, this is not Reply All. It's not the Joe Rogan show. This is uh, this is Jokerman podcast.
2: Not Ivermectin podcast. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it's not uh, Pod Save America. In case you, were, <laughs> that's another podcast, right? That's a yeah. podcast. Um, yeah. But well, yeah, today we actually joined... are pod we are pod saving America through the Lord in Jesus Christ. Well said. With with our friend uh, and the friend of the show Ian O'Neill of the great band Deer Tick and of uh also being a painter uh, more recently. Thank you. And also uh yeah. just being a good uh, good old boy overall good guy <laughs>
1: overall good guy
2: yeah I'm, I'm such a fan of the podcast We, our band just started going back on tour and I, as i posted previously <laughs> i've been really digging into like the extremely long episodes yes as much as possible um, <laughs> i am
1: <I'm> so sorry
2: <laughs> no they're all fantastic like me and my buddy um andre etienne who's a great musician and painter too he, like maybe six months ago he was like we're talking about you guys and it was like, man, they've kind of been like my favorite thing during like the worst part of the
0: Canadian well, lockdown. Yeah. Uh, like, that deep dark Canadian great. lockdown. <laughs>
2: yeah, there's just so many deep Dylan fans out in the music world, so
1: Yeah. Well we're happy to give uh the good folks on the internet something to while away their days with as we all wait for Something, whether that's the end of this or just the sweet ah, embrace. What do you of mean death. the end of this? <laughs> well, the oh, end the of end whatever of this. <laughs> this state of being is where we're not in lockdown anymore, but people are still, you know, dying by the tens of thousands every week.
0: And people mm-hmm. always die every week, yeah.
1: That is true. And you know what they say, <laughs> death is not the end. So, anyway. It's
2: true. <sighs> and, yeah.
1: Anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm very glad we were able to, to finally get you on. And I feel like we've been trying to arrange this for the last, like, six months. You were originally going to come on for, I think, like, the Supper Club episode that we were going to do mm-hmm. back in, like, April. And then did, our schedules we were just weird. That? Yeah, we did, but it, we ended up just doing <laughs> yeah. it on Patreon. Wow,
0: I don't even remember us doing that. We, we did do supper, that Supper Club revisit. Revisited, so maybe. okay, separate club revisited. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Jeez,
1: we're just gonna do all
0: of them. We're gonna just yeah. We're just gonna read. Again. We're gonna go.
1: We're just start the podcast over. I'm again. game
2: for that. I'm ha- like I'm kind of I'm digging the revisited stuff. Like, the revis- revisited shot of love was like
0: a really wonderful. episode That was a good one. I
1: felt like that was uh, a just, lot of fun. Uh, in, in a
0: sense, this is a revisited kind of.
1: Yeah, we're uh, yes. well. I think we're yeah. we're uh, kind of trying to peg this to uh, springtime in New York, which is still fresh and fresh in everyone's mind. And I'm sure we'll get to talk a little bit about that. I'm sure you've listened to uh, all of it, Ian. Um yep. But uh, a live document from uh, from this era, from the early part of that era, at least live '81.
0: It's really the different era that we should. It's this is our first time discussing anything from Trouble No More, right? Yes. And what we're really what we're talking about today is. Um, the just like in uh, that other bootleg uh, release, uh, the another self portrait has the full Isle of Wight show uh, tacked on to the end mm-hmm. for the uh, like special premium edition. Uh, Trouble no more features a an entire set of. Uh, uh, from London, 1981, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Earl's Court, Earl's, Earl's court, court,
1: exactly. Night two of five, apparently. Bob had a five-night stand in London, and he, it, he makes it clear at the end of the yeah, show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: gotta get out of here now. <laughs> I gotta get some sleep. I hope uh, play something that you came to hear. If not, we're going to be here tomorrow night, the next night, and the night after that. You're bound to hear something that you know one of them nights. We'll see you now. If you didn't hear what you uh, you wanted something to hear uh, tonight, then... We'll be here tonight and the day after, and then one more after. I'm doing the impression now. At uh, the first yeah. time, the impression
2: uh-huh. is cool. The impression works probably best for
0: this particular era, I'm not, in my I'm not opinion. Not even really doing it. That was half-hearted. Are you going to be just... self-conscious
1: about doing the impression now? Uh, no, no. Because
0: the only been. person who said they didn't like it was like uh, the I don't one know. guy. I don't know. There was just one guy who said he didn't like it. Yeah, and then and then everybody on the uh, who defends us and loves us. There's like those 12 people. They (laughs) sprung to my age.
2: There's just as many of us who don't have Twitter and and stuff who are listening and want to be defending you against your own There you go. The the
1: silent majority.
2: Hang in there. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah. (laughs) If you didn't hear a Bob Dylan impression that you wanted to hear, this time we're going to be doing episodes for a long time. (laughs) So you just better, one of these days, you're going to hear one that you like.
2: We'll get to it, but the band introductions during In the Garden
1: are Maybe the best part of this entire set, else. to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I love that. <laughs> and I love the fact that it's got its own special track <laughs> listing also. It's not yeah. like the end of one track or the beginning of it. It's just its own. Like, if, if you want to just queue up that bit of the set, you can just dial in that track on the set.
2: It's what I did while I was cooking dinner tonight for my kids. So I was just like, "I just
0: gotta listen
1: to this comedy set real <laughs> yeah, quick." exactly. Oh, he's so good.
0: Do we uh, want to give some yeah. context to this show? Uh, do we have any sure. info you about? Guys-
1: yeah, I mean, well, it, it, like like I was saying a moment ago, this is uh, this is uh, you know uh, a, a live document, really, kind of like the live document from the Springtime in New York era. Besides, real live, which re- we we re- relitigated with uh, Stephen on our uh, you know big long, uh, but we big barely episodes. talked about it. We talked about it for a little while. Um, but we've obviously done a whole series of episodes on Real Live anyways. Uh, this is the other like tour that he was doing at this time, 81, uh, when Shot of Love was in the process of coming out. I, I don't know if Shot of Love had actually come out by this time, but obviously he's playing Shot of Love material on this tour. And um, it's uh, he's kind of edging out of the Christian material back into the secular stuff, but there is still some Christian stuff. He's sort of in an in-between stage. Uh, just like Shot of Love, is kind of an in-between record.
0: Which is part of why, why it's such a great moment to uh, to catalog, to, um, to record, because the uh, fervor is still there, like the energy of the performances exactly. are there. But it's got this uh, more sense of playfulness, I would say. It's a little less like... Um, Didactic in his approach.
1: Yeah, I think there's actually like a double a double shot of energy in this one. <laughs> yeah, there you go, pun. Uh, that's the fervor is still there for the Christian material. Obviously, that's still you know very hot, heavy fire. Uh, but there's also this newfound. Uh, energy, I think, playing the old material because he he had oh, yes. not played this at all for the last two years live when he was only touring, only Christian material. So he's sort of at the same time rediscovering all of the old classics that the audience loves. He obviously feels very comfortable playing them. He's got this just absolutely hot shit fire band behind him, the which, best yeah, band. which we'll get into. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just a fantastic kind of... Um, uh, fantastic uh, mix of circumstances, I think, for the Christian material yeah. and the non-Christian material, both.
0: Yeah, if you don't like this stuff, or you think you don't like this stuff, this might just change your mind. This period, absolutely. Either. I mean,
2: well, it it applies like his extreme devotional intensity to like his ap- his greatest hits from like his folkiest days through most of the '60s yep. stuff. And like, and even into like, you know, Shadow Love stuff, like Lenny Bruce and stuff, where it's really fun to hear that play with a with uh, what's his face, Jim um, drummer Keltner, Keltner
1: like who I think is the absolute all star of this entire yes. MVP, no doubt about it. Yeah.
0: The the way to describe Keltner's playing in this is like uh, it goes so much harder than it needs to. It's like so totally. Cool. It's like. Uh, he just takes it to another place. Yeah. It really is true. I think what they say about like a band is only as good as its drummer. Um, or that's maybe a little reductive. No, that's a, true. A band I would can, say that's true. Can get like really crazy if their drummer is, goes there.
2: I mean, only Keltner's matched Bob in his like ability to lead a song. Mm-hmm. One of Bob's songs. You know what I mean? Like Keltner's, like, he's, it's and i've heard that bob likes to have drummers that like just play and don't make parts and stuff like that and just kind of just follow the song and it seems like keltner like took that to the like most extreme interpretation possible um and even since like keltner's played with a bunch of people that like his drumming style i know he's a legend but his drumming style is wacky as hell yeah it
0: kind of reminds me of it's so fun sort of like um I don't no! You'll listen to stuff by like the Almond Brothers or like ch- really intense chuggly music where it's like <laughs> it gets psychedelic almost in how like ferociously chuggly it can be.
2: You don't know what's happening sometimes. Yeah, it's like,
0: it's it's like so out of left field aggressive that you're just like forgetting that it's supposed to, like it should just be a <laughs> shuffle maybe, but it's like yeah, absolutely like.
2: It seems like he's just like, if Bob's gonna, just going to figure out what he's doing with the vocal melody as we go along throughout this whole tour. And I'm just also going to figure out what I'm going to do with like when I'm going to land on the one or if, if I'm going to land on the right. one. I'm just going to play through everything. I've been listening and, as
0: we've been talking to the, the first track here. Gotta serve somebody. Um, fun ones. I suppose we should uh, honk. On, yeah, let's just
1: on, uh, let's get into it.
0: so yeah this gotta serve somebody is just like uh hot fire it's um not really like the the record version which has that sort of like behind the beat it's like kind of a sultry like sitting in the back of the smoky pool hall silently judging everybody and their moral decisions type of energy <laughs> this, this version it's is like really, is yeah. you're you're grabbing someone by the lapels at the jukebox and like did you just sin
2: <laughs> no yeah it's like it's what dylan seems to be doing during this period with his band in general it's like taking vegas to london or something it's just like <laughs> total drama through the roof or, or taking um,
0: japan to london because there's touches of uh Budokan and there are all, some touches of Budokan. The-
2: oh, he's approaching some of the reggae stuff and, like, with, like, a non-offensive reggae
1: stuff. Yeah, no, totally, like, fun. You know? Like, you know, I think I, this was right at that moment in time when he was doing his sailing down in the Caribbean. So it, it has, like, made right. its way sort of naturally into his um, his influences. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, this version of Gotta Serve Somebody, and I think this goes for pretty much all the Christian stuff in this set, is just like super just like kind of intense and like like I feel myself just getting kind of like amped up listening to it. It it's completely mm. like um uh, he's traded in that super smooth, anodyne, knopfler kind of like too cool for school feeling for this like, you know, really raging fire kind of um yeah, fire and brimstone feel to it. And um yeah, the band is just like absolutely tearing it up behind him. He's got Clyde King and Carolyn Dennis, and a couple other folks on the background vocals. Um, Two of his girlfriends. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> One uh, par- his partners. Boy. Partners. Partners. Excuse me. Fred Tackett on the guitar. Uh, and then, like we were talking about, um, uh, Keltner on the drums. It's just, it's, and, it's and really Leon uh, like And Russell. Yeah. Uh,
0: That part's a a joke, correct? I believe it is a joke, yes. (laughs) I don't know what the joke is. Maybe the guy who actually played the keyboards looked a little like him, or maybe it was just some... I have no idea what the joke is. That's
1: Willie Willie Smith on the keyboards, according to this this website.
0: He says it's Leon Russell, and then he's like, no, it's not Leon Russell. Yeah
2: yeah what's really funny about this period too to me is like they're playing with the intensity and the fire of like rolling thunder if not more at times especially with Keltner. Mm-hmm. and i reading that that you know i say as he said the the dark princess book clinton helen's <laughs> book <Yeah. laughs> behind the shades um with his face keldner was saying how like everybody kind of just bought into the christian stuff who were in the band and like were so inspired by Bob's. i book. like that
0: Keltner apparently it's cool still as is. Hell. Uh, he he's never got. They all belong the, to the same church. He there never you got go. Off the slow train.
2: <laughs> yeah, but like that, like it's amazing to me. Like even watching the, the the DVD the other night, I was telling you guys about. That's based on this tour. Like the guys all seem coked out.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it
2: seems crazy. But they were apparently all like celibate and sober and just jamming. They were just high on and high
1: on Christ, man. What do you what do you need cocaine for when you got uh, the love of the Holy Father?
0: Green tea and protein <laughs> and um, getting a lot of sleep.
1: And faith. That's what it really is. It's faith. It's true. Yeah. Give me A shot of faith. Yeah, the price is going up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, gotta serve somebody. Absolutely kicks ass. I believe in you. The second track also absolutely kicks ass. I like this Beautiful. one really. Like I believe in you is like a good song on the record for me. It's not like um, it's kind of like right there in the middle uh, in terms of the slow train material. Like not my absolute favorite, not my absolute least favorite. But this live version of this, like this is maybe like one of my favorite songs from the entire thing. Just the organ yeah, on too. this it's is cool. so fucking out of this world.
2: And it's played so well in the set yes. too. Yes, it's like right after, like, and before he leads into like his. Assuming this is like the actual setlist, yeah, which is. I assume it mostly is. It is. I just yeah. I love Keltner's
0: like, like kick, the kick drum. He he literally does so like so <laughs> intense. He's like
2: playing like he's in like a noise band, and like like sometimes.
0: a like a post rock band. Like yeah, yeah. it it is wild. And Dylan's he's vocals done. are like. Really pretty cool all over this uh, this show. Yeah, They're I think like, his voice
1: is in really great shape for for this set. It's, it's very just this specific moment in general. style. It's like yeah.
0: really wiry and like kind of wild. elastic. Yeah, there you go. That's the word. It's a little harsh. Yeah. It's trebly, but it's it's also really controlled, and he has a lot of great little riffing moments that are like mm. just great rock vocalizing.
2: Well, we'll get to Maggie's farm, but oh yeah. I, I feel like one thing that I listened to from this set, where what I took away from listening to this set was just another re- reaffirmation of Bob's being able to just make up new melodies to his same songs mm-hmm. he's been singing for years and years in the moment, verse to verse, which is like such a strange thing to do Yeah, as like as a singer, like it just seems like. You have to like literally detach your mind from your muscle memory completely to be able to do that. And like in Maggie's Farm, he just like every verse is almost different. Yeah, it's like a whole it's new really it's
1: strange. a whole new song, but it like it has the same words that it did in 1965. But but like that's it. Yeah. There is no other sort of like similarity between what actually came on you know the Bring It All Back Home record yeah. fifteen years before. No. And he you know he sounds like he believes in you or him you know yeah and this whoever. is just
0: such a triumphant song. I I really like. I can't overstate how uh, you you believe in it. You know when you hear this. absolutely. Like...
2: Oh yeah, no, like he's talking about God, but like you, like I, I'm along for the ride as a as a reformed atheist.
1: Well, yeah, I mean whether or not you actually believe or anyone believes, just like Bob's. Investment in it, I think, like for me, is what is what brings it along, and you know, kind of act, activates it and make it makes it real. Like you know, the, he it, it's clear that he believes, uh, and like that's and those, that's fucking all I need.
2: Those huge like pauses and pushes, yes, yeah, the bomb, 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 oh That stuff is. The band is
1: insane. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, a, a, a absolutely wild uh, kind of interpretation. Um, I think, and and br- really like makes it like this is what this song was always supposed to sound like, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I I love 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 the way that the whole slow train record sounds, and it's like really the only one in the entire catalog that has that feeling and that sense. Um, but um, I don't know. This the the these the songs are so much more kind of like like uh, immediate and kind of connective for me interpreted like this than they are on that record which is great but feels like you're almost like observing it like through like um through a window or something like like it's behind glass or something and you're just kind of at a remove deliberately so
0: sounds like bands now
1: yeah exactly it does exactly like technically the record
0: sounds like like the bands playing now
1: yeah i mean Yeah, it's uh, we talked about this a little bit. I think when we did the episode initially, it sounds it's like the first record in Bob's catalog, and, and maybe one of the only ones, in fact. Uh, that sounds like technically perfect. Like, like there's yeah. like.
2: Oh, I'm sorry. I meant the live version.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it also that also sounds like bands now, but just different bands now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's almost there's this almost like digital kind of quality to um, the slow train material on record that isn't there on this live set, and that's what makes it so so exciting.
0: Yeah, this live set is yeah. just so much more interesting in some ways, than... Than the slow train production would allow, because like I don't know, I can only imagine being at this show and like all the excitement that goes into going to see uh, Dylan playing live, and then I don't know, just like I feel like I love when music, uh, live music, is communicative, like has has some actual effort put forth by the the vocalist, especially to make the words clear and to to say something. I feel like those are always the most engaging shows I've ever been to like right seeing Jonathan Richman where it's like so intimate and like you you are meant to hear every single thing he's saying there's no Absolutely. there's no reverb like obscuring his voice like how many I shows have we been <laughs> to where you really just like if you're being honest with yourself, by the end of the thing, you did not understand a single solitary word that the singer set up there. And like, everyone just acts like it was a great show. Uh Not only can you hear what's happening here, but it's demanding that you think about your life and like the most religious, uh, the most like cosmic terms. I think as far as engaging music, like if you're open-minded to seeing this, I think that it must've been a really, uh, engaging show like of course a really
2: that's the cool thing about one thing about Bob that's different than other singers now at least at least like a lot of singers that we could criticize but we won't name publicly um <laughs> is that <laughs> he like he really no matter what he was saying even though it was about like his cab ride with Lenny Bruce it was quite loud and quite direct and it was the most on top thing happening in the mix yeah and he meant it with so much conviction and so much I don't know how to put it but he that's something I think that is a little bit lacking with a lot of like what you would consider like the heartland rock uh revival. Right. Yeah. There's no uh, no obscuring Bob stuff from this time at least. No yeah. because
0: he still comes from as we've said many many times the tradition of the of singers who like would never bury themselves in the mix. I mean even the records that he's disavowed to some degree in his own catalog, tend to be ones where that's the case, where it's like there's a little mm-hmm. bit heavy of production. I'm not going to name na- <laughs> you names. <know, Land laughs> we Wong. can talk about that out of money. <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> you know, where, where that'll, like, that'll be that, the
1: bonus episode. It's just uh, all the shit talking that we're not doing right now.
0: That's a very influential yeah. record um, on music in ways that probably Dylan doesn't even like, but also influential in ways that he, you know, it, because of how great the... Dylan's well that's a good point
2: though because it might there might be something to that where like what dylan likes in time out of mind or what dylan does not like in time out of mind might be what a else lot of people likes. do
0: like yeah it's like right. war on <laughs> drugs you know they are big dylan heads it's <laughs> that's like, who we're talking about aren't we i mean to some degree yeah like <laughs> i, like, and I, too a I lot. like i mean, war on drugs quite a bit but like they are influenced by um I think they're they're probably influenced a bit by that Lanois Bob sound. Well, and um, I mean the the, yeah. the
1: major difference with War on Drugs and anything that Bob has done, or even Time Out of Mind, is just like Adam from the War on Drugs, he, he, like he's a studio guy himself. Like he's writing right. the songs, but he's also the guy like behind the deck right. in the studio it's and doing such a different writer. It's, yeah, it's like that's all that's all him and like the studio part yeah. and the actual playing and writing of the music. That's all. Yeah, the, he's equally interested in both elements of that. And Bob, obviously, right. as we are well aware it's by the, now. He's it, yeah. ju- <laughs> he's just on the the one side of the glass. He's not behind the mixing board and fucking with shit and getting take after take after take. He just wants to get in there and cut it and yeah. get whatever comes out. Yeah, there. Um,
2: and I love that that new War Drugs tune with very dry vocals. I was like, cool. Yeah, that yeah. what a right. wonderful thing. Yeah. Living proof. I I awesome. think maybe music um, is
0: catching up a little bit to that. I feel like it seems more and more like people are getting acclaim for having that bravery uh, that straightforward approach of being like, I'm going to just put my words out there. Like I'm thinking yeah. of like Mitski and like father, John Misty yeah. and like people who they don't trade on obscuring what they're doing. You know, they, they're very no. front and center with their personality and their music and, yeah and, and the vocals are, you know, and the lyrics are a big part of it. Yeah.
2: That stuff, that stuff makes it, makes a change in popular music, or at least in the pop music that we run into circles of and of course yeah, horror, it's yeah, also
0: the, the those are the artists that people get the most mad about or, or like most obsessed oh with.
2: yeah and the blogs are are in fevers about those kind of musicians
0: it's because when you use your voice to like actually say something and you aren't just making pretty sounding vowels in your music not that there's anything wrong with that but you are going it is it does take a certain level of bravery because you are putting out there uh you're acknowledging that what you're doing is a communicative act. Yeah, there's
2: a, there's a hangover from indie rock, from the indie rock era of, like, the early aughts and the late 90s of, like, where you could obscure, even oh, from yeah. shoegaze, where you could obscure your, your vocals and, like, they would still be a, you know, you'd
0: still get a lot of credit for it but like i don't think that yeah i think that you can read the lyrics that yeah. age is kind of going away a bit yeah and, if, you,
1: and if you ever look at the uh like the lyric uh, pages for loveless on genius or something like it's <laughs> not it's not the most impressive stuff you've ever seen it sounds a lot better in your ears than it looks on a page
0: i mean that's a whole other art form though in a way totally yeah of
1: yeah.
2: course oh, but talking about bob you know um love and theft on that's kind of what he chose to yeah, do no, exactly. not,
0: not to go on a, too much of a tangent down this rabbit hole but i will say that more and more lately i'm i'm feeling like uh talking heads is less and less uh, important to me as a band
1: for this reason you know honestly i have i've also started <laughs> I've to kind, can, of kind of feel the same like especially once david burns started doing that like broadway play kind of well, thing it's I just saw like it, and, yeah. you know, it's just it seems like, corny
0: I don't know I think I think a lot of it is like um it's it's introductory music like it it's music that gets people interested in a lot of other music but um lyrically it's not all it's it seems pretty uninterested most of the time in being like just earnest in a way that actually song based Yeah <laughs> yeah it's like a lot of famously the David Byrne method you know is to do uh, a mumble track, as as it's called, uh, and uh, there's a lot of people. And that, like that. yeah, do the, you do the mumble track? Then you kind of transpose that into words. I believe this is how, um, like, a lot of his songs are written. Um, they're really great as like a physical band. Yes, and if we want to... I think that David
2: Byrne would agree with you too. Probably, honestly. yeah.
1: Yeah but, um, I mean I I think they're like like you know talking heads are great obviously and they they also definitely serve as like a really important kind of like gateway drug so to speak to a lot of yeah. people in like you know 11th grade sort of thing but like like you know looking back at like this material in pretty or this era of bob you know that's been in the news so much lately like like even as great as they were as great as, um, more songs and fear of music and remain in light, obviously all are like, it, they just don't feel like they're even like on the same level or even close to the same level as some, as someone like Bob.
0: No, they don't have that <laughs> level of earthy connectivity to them that this music as uh, uncool as it may have seemed then or may, might seem to a lot of people now it's, it's music that, uh, Grabs you if you have even half an open heart to it, and it 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 will grab you on a level that is kind of not heady. It's actually like it's trying to get to your heart. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, uh, it's been thirty-one minutes and we've gotten through two songs. So let's. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like twenty more yeah, songs. This is always how it goes. Uh, well, let's roll along like a rolling stone uh and uh just maybe say that this rolling stone here is like it's fine it's a perfunctory Rolling. this is not my favorite rolling stone of all time uh but i like that like that's the first non-christian song that he's playing and he's playing it song three in this entire set and just like setting a tone for what's happening tonight like you're getting you're getting rolling St- you're getting the good shit you're getting rolling stone you're it's funny to put that up front yeah exactly I feel like Rolling Stone, like, always at the front of a set, always, like, kind of robs it of some of its gravitas. Like, I want Rolling Stone at the end. I don't want Rolling Stone at the beginning.
2: Can I be honest with you? I don't want Rolling Stone at all. Really? Like,
0: with this... You don't want it in this context?
2: No. I Like, I don't... There's... What's funny about this set is that, like, there's so many songs that I wish I heard from the Christian era in this right. set because they're all so much more better performed. But I will say his like behind the beat vocal delivery on this song and on almost all the songs on this recording are super fun. Like he's the way he delivers the vocals is fun and almost hilarious at times. (laughs) And it seems like he vamps up from the beginning of the song and by the end of the song, he's like super into it. Yes. (laughs) And (laughs) the beginning,
1: he's like not sure if he's into it. <laughs> it takes him a minute to warm up.
0: I can't believe we've never just discussed this like straight out, but like when you were listening to um, something like this, like from a period like this in Dylan's career, uh, like the later stuff, like what we do, isn't it just weird to like imagine the you, the young Bob Dylan? Like I, doesn't he like pop up in, in your in your mind when you're hearing this and you just think about like what What would the young Dylan, younger Dylan, think if he saw older Dylan?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, that's that's a good point. That just always
0: creeps into my mind, like this full. It's it's not that different from the original, like '66 versions, but it is too
2: it's funny because like he was so sped out at that point that i'm not really sure he would even give shit because he was (laughs) already on his own tip of like he's such selfishness and such self-righteousness that which is how he accomplished such great stuff at that time yeah but there's also like i think that he what's so wonderful about bob is like thinking about that rolling thunder documentary where he says i can't even remember like i wasn't even born yet and he's talking about rolling thunder Like, I can kind of understand that listening to this. Totally. And then thinking of Highway 61. Did he mean
0: that literally? Is the question. (laughs) I wasn't born again at that time. (laughs)
1: I mean, I think probably, I think 1966 Bob would probably think 1981 Bob is like kind of an old fogey and a sellout and kind of like a loser.
0: Who knows what sixties Dylan would have thought of anything. Honestly.
1: I mean, just like I, if, if we're like, if 66 Dylan is like, you know, on one side of the spectrum and 81 Dylan is on the other side of the spectrum. Like at this point, honestly, I am like, I'm, I'm going to bat for 81 Dylan. Not that they need to like be counterposed against one another, but like, I, I love the guy that Bob grew into. And like my, my, my love yeah. for bob began yeah. with this like just absolutely like out of this world you know wunderkind you know 65 66 guy who was cooler yeah, than yeah, anyone man. else in the world but just well, like
0: it's an th- all time historical event what he did in the 60s yeah. it's like it's like someone breaking open the the musical globe so like it, do, it it's going to be glorious to behold but it doesn't have that richness of personality and character that will come to fill out the rest of
1: his career. Right. Yeah. Like 10 years. I- exactly.
2: Like it's really true. you guys have talked about this before, but I think that he got much better. And as a person who's been in the band for 12, 15 years, like we have gotten much better at what we do yeah. and, and songwriting and performing and everything like that. If you listen back to what we did back then, even though it was what made John our singer popular before I was in the band, it's not as experienced, it's not as rich as it could be as it is now. And I think that's something that people really kind of overlook when it comes to like looking at their heroes is that they get better with age. Even like Paul Simon does Mm -hmm. the same thing. Like I can, every boomer that I like, I think I like his later (laughs) records more at this point. And but I also understand like when you're a young kid and you like love Bob's 60s records because you're just the same age, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think everyone, like I would assume everyone, most people at least, uh, you know, get into Bob based on you know mid 60s Bob and maybe Blood on the Tracks Bob. And, but like I think what separates the, you know, the people who just like like the classics and then like freaks like us is like, you know, you kind of you you grow with Bob throughout your own life and kind of like um, come to appreciate and understand where he was at in 1978 and 1986 and 1994 and right up until 2021, you know, and it's, it's like um, and, and there are so few artists, I think, that like have that. There really aren't any artists, basically, that have such depth and, um, you know, kind of um, just twisted and tortured and all over the place kind of development over such a long well, period of the, time. It's just so Those are the
0: artists that uh, we would uh, hope to continue to discuss on this program That's in the true. future. Like Lou Reed? Like Lou Reed. You guys Reed? can do well, that? Yeah. Be the, uh, next <laughs> because time.
2: that would be right up my, my lane, That's, man. Well, I, honestly,
0: I feel like we should have started it already, but like... We we will do it when we
1: can. We're gonna take um, a one one. We got to put all of our wood behind this arrow with Bob, and then we're gonna get it. We're gonna close the book, and then we're gonna we're gonna move on to uh, Lou's a good one. though. lose a good one for this kind of this exact model. Exactly,
0: and Lou, uh, you know, some people out there uh, they don't understand. (laughs) We can talk about that right now if you want to.
2: Because I heard that and I was
0: pissed. You said it incredibly well that people with their heroes they they have a basically like. Arrested, stunted view of these people, and Lou would hate that. Yeah, well, he did hate that because he lived his life to. to he, these great artists don't care, you know they They don't care to rest on their laurels of what they did when they were a young person, because. And what what we really believe here on this in this house is that, <laughs> you great artists get better. And it, the re, the ways they get better might not always be obvious, but they do get better and it gets richer yeah. and more interesting. That's all I'll say. Uh, Lou Reed project. Uh, don't call <laughs> yeah. it, What's weird
2: to don't me, call me about that. that? Before we move on, we should really finish this conversation about this wonderful live record. But <laughs> before we move on, it's weird to me that you could like overlook New York, the blue mask, ecstasy, all these fantastic albums.
0: Songs for drama. Yeah. 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 I mean even the There's Raven like, the Raven which is yeah. like a
2: great I mean we can talk about Lulu all day long. Yeah.
0: Lulu as well which is about to have a 20th anniversary. 10th, I mean. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> it's, like, it's like I'm not 40. <laughs> 10th anniversary. <laughs> you're
1: getting you're getting ahead of yourself there. Uh well yeah, we'll all we'll right. have you back on for um uh I guess uh what what do you think what what Lou record do you want to come back on for Ian? Let's
2: do Legendary Hearts. Okay,
1: fantastic. We'll have a great time talking about the um the album art for, for Legendary Hearts. We'll we'll spend a whole thirty minutes on that. The Daft Yeah, Punk. yeah inventing Daft Punk <laughs> exactly. Uh all right, well it's now forty minutes in and we've gotten through uh, three songs. Saw- who's counting? <laughs> sorry, guys. We
0: don't <laughs> sorry. We don't have to do every song in great detail. For example, no. the next song is Man Gave Names to
1: All the Animals. It's it's so good. I love this version of "Man Gave Names to All the Animals." Yeah,
0: this is where the reggae begins, really, for Bob, huh? Yes,
1: uh, and the um, the the backing singers are doing the e i e i o thing at the end is such an inspired, mm-hmm. like absolute beautiful touch, and speaks to Bob's like just ability and interest in just acting as the entertainer basically
2: and leaving it up to them to like do like a bunch of like, it so seems like there's such a great like sharing of work together
1: e-i-e-i-o it's just such a perfect fucking touch at the end of this that's song. what i
2: thought it was i was doing my car today i was like that's what they're that's saying that's what
1: they're saying yeah i think they only say <laughs> e-i-e-o uh, like old mcdonald yes like old McDonald's. Yes. exactly <laughs> i know him <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh. You know, I this is unrelated, but I on on friend activity on Spotify, I can see. Apparently, this was one week ago, but I see that Stephen Hayden was listening to <laughs> "I Can't Quit You" from Blue and Lonesome the tw- <laughs> The 2016 album by the Rolling Stones. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: he's a he's a
2: music writer. He's got to yeah, do his yeah, homework, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. That's,
0: yeah just, that's, that's a I very. That would a great. Uh, he was a great guest. In the yeah, he's probably yeah, chilling he in the guests. backyard. Uh, yeah,
1: just listening to a 2016 Rolling Stone blues covers record. <laughs> yeah, It's crazy.
0: Awesome. Anyway, uh, man gave names E I E I O.
1: E I O. And then he's got another song about man animal. <laughs> that was the best part. Is, man he man he animal. fucking talking about with that?
2: That's why, like, there's no drugs on this tour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he introduces uh, Maggie's farm this way, right? Here's another animal song about man animal. Man-animal. Man animal. <laughs> I think that he's talking about uh, being a, a... Look, I'm going to put on my Clinton-Halen hat uh, now. Uh, put in some sound effect that's like uh, Night on Bald Mountain. Or okay. <laughs> um, uh, Bob is talking about... Clearly, he's talking about being a, a beast. Being a being a beastly man who, who would stop at nothing to achieve fame. And he will break through... The constraints of uh, the humdrum folk scene into the electric uh, rock and roll arena, and he will uh, change the world forever.
1: Fantastic. Well done. He
2: definitely listens to this, by the way. I'm sure he does. You think? I'm absolutely oh sure God. he does. I hope
1: he didn't listen to the one we did about how bad his book is. Maggie's
0: Farm. It's, it's actually very interesting if you think about Maggie's Farm in the context of uh, Trouble No More and this religious awakening maggie's farm what could that be but the garden of eden i ain't gonna work on maggie's farm in in the garden of eden no no more (laughs) well i'm going to i'm going to leave the uh the farm of eden
1: we'll get there uh this song is insane uh it's great it's so good It's like a total like like we were talking about a a minute ago. Like, there's no connection to Maggie's Farm initially, besides just literally the words "Maggie's Farm" and everything else. Except for like
2: they hang on the one for most of it, which is like the the one thing, and then they even do so like it's similar to like seventy six in a weird way sometimes. Like that uh that show in Colorado Springs, yeah, the hard
1: rain uh, stuff. Yeah, Yeah. it's
2: kind of close to that, but kind of dips into that vocal melody for one little verse, but the rest of them are just, like, kind of yelling the whole oh. time, which is fantastic. It's so He's good, just and the fire. groove is just amazing. Yeah. The, the or- And Keltner is, like, un- insane. Yeah, Keltner
1: killing it, and then the organ, well, again, I feel like I'm not giving enough Willie Smith on the keyboard. Yeah, the we organ, need to give some... Just yes. absolutely, just, like, on, just like searing hot behind, behind, uh, uh Bob and the yeah, the This is and a stuff. hot album. It's this so is, is fucking a hot disco show. too. Yeah. Yes, very yeah. disco. There, that's the, the, Buddha, the, that's the Budokan the right there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This the is post Budokan stuff. And yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's post, but it is post disco. Wow. You know, this is, <laughs> this is the closest Dylan would ever get to making a, a liquid, liquid, uh, record. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is post disco Dylan. <laughs> And he's almost got like with the the backing singers, like where he goes, you know, ain't gonna work on Maggie's farm no more. And he's got the backing singers. Ain't gonna work on Maggie's farm no more. Like there's almost a yes sir, no sir kind of vibe. Yes sir, no
0: sir. Are you familiar
2: with that? I still have to give my hot take from Swing Time in New York, by the way. We're
1: there. What do you got?
2: My hot take is that I really like Straight A's in Love. Oh,
1: yes. (laughs) You're so stupid, but you're really hot. (laughs) I'm in love with the most (laughs) pretty girl in the world.
2: (laughs) Insane. It's crazy. It's, like, embarrassing in many ways. It should have been left off the record. I get it. But the performance is, like, it's really, really, it's such a fun recording. And like, it
0: seems like it was so complete. But, like, they really He tried. had the whole
1: song. Yeah, exactly. It was just yeah. the dumbest yeah, song that it. he had ever written. Yeah. And is it, is yeah. it that
0: much dumber than uh, Clean Cut Kid? Like, yeah. I don't know. No. It's probably it's, better no, than it, Clean actually, Cut Kid.
2: Actually, Clean Cut Kid has a good turnaround. It the turned around, the turnaround? They, they made him into a killer. is what. They eliminated oh, yeah. the killer, that's what they did. That's what gives you some pauses. Like, is this not bad?
0: Yeah, I, it's true, except that License to Kill already like fulfills that role.
2: Oh, I have a bone to pick with you guys over no. um order to protect my child. Wait, you don't
0: know, we like that a lot.
2: It's a beautiful song. Yeah, you don't like but it? But I love it. However, it's the same progression as License to Kill. Uh, and that's uh, why it? you may have left it off. Interesting. I okay. thought it
0: was the same, for, gee, but it's I thought it was like 99% child, the same ones. Wait a minute. Isn't it also a different? It's also Angel flying too close to the ground.
2: Quite possibly. But when you... I heard... I saw you guys posted about how you... Like, how would that not be on an album? I was like, well, he put
1: License to Kill on the record. I see. And listen to him back to the back. See, it's, it's- so this is what we get for having an actual musician on no, the podcast. Because I... it is also... I, I can't interpret... I'm <laughs> a musician. so you're probably interpret- true. Not, certainly not You me. Can't like Evan, Evan is, but I'm not.
0: I'm not much of a musician. But you're probably true that, like... I don't know. I The thing that I took away from springtime in new york almost above any other takeaway is that like half of these songs are like the same song but they just like ended up going all That's these Bob. different ways and like he yeah a lot of that decide. infidel's material
1: came out of like five or six like kind of just common four like ancestors basically it's, and then it's they ended up to up me yeah. up it's up to, to me syndrome versions. like
0: you yeah. know how up to me it was cut it's like
2: yeah like i wasn't that surprised it was cut right
1: right
0: Right, I always thought, like, oh, yeah, Up to Me is just, like, kind of, it's the, uh, like, bastard son of that, uh, of, uh, of, of, what's the Or it's the not fully evolved version of of Shelter from the
1: Storm as well as, like, Tangled.
0: Really, I mean, it's, it the plot thickens with springtime in New York when you realize that, like, Too Late has, like, so much DNA of, like, Joker Man and Foot of Pride, and it's like I agree
2: with you on that Joker Man. Well, the, you by the know, way.
0: One, one thing that I I think I failed to point out is that he says um motherless child, or or motherless children in in uh, Too Late, mm. and then in Joker Man he says take the motherless children off the street. Off the street, yeah. So like. And it has just like a He did a he does it
2: all the time like with like jet pilot eyes and like he's done that stuff with a bunch of songs where he just interjects different lines. He's straight up tunes. done
0: it with his entire career. That's just kind of how he rolls. Yeah, but he's working. I suppose he didn't have his... Uh, maybe, maybe he could have benefited from someone being like, it's fine if the songs sound alike. Like, we can just do more songs that sound alike. It's okay. I don't know.
1: Are you... Are you a, uh, uh, since we're on the subject, are you a Too Late guy, Ian, or are you a Foot of Pride guy, if, if you can only have one?
2: Um, well, I'm a Lou Reed Foot of Pride okay.
1: guy. Okay, all right, absolutely respectable. Duh. That That is a Lou song, as far as I'm concerned. It,
2: I think it's, a, it's, it's incredible. We, we had a yeah.
0: listener or someone on Twitter say that, like, Lou's Foot of Pride is, like, the Hendrix version of Watchtower. It's, like, he owned it.
1: Yeah. He like, it became yeah, the
0: version, like, is the version.
2: Because Lou loved it, I think, more than Bob did.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's obviously why he, uh, you know, in a in a Bob uh, tribute show in 1993, just and when everyone's playing, like, Blown in the Wind and Watchtower and uh, Rainy Day Women, like, <laughs> here comes Lou with the, the, with the seven and, and a like, half minute version of Foot of Pride, which had you know, been released. And, like, he was so down. He was so into uh, it, too.
0: If we can get back to this uh, setlist uh, just briefly, I I think that one one thing about Maggie's Farm here, I think it plays a lot better than say the Maggie's Farm on Real Live, um, but it's interesting just to see how Maggie's Farm like he probably thought he was doing the same thing when he did it in in Real <laughs> Live as he was doing here, but like the, the the texture of the musical parlance of the day in when he did it uh at slain was that's the w- version on real life right is it yeah, Slane? i mean I,
1: I don't know if it's at slain <laughs> it, it's a couple of the songs on real Life are actually at slain but if they aren't at slain it, it's all from the 84 european tour Th-
0: that like hair metal adjacent thing is just it's bad and we well, can yeah, that's, put it
1: away that's the thing is like i we you know uh i know um we initially were pretty negative on real live, and I think we've become maybe a little more positive on it. And obviously, yeah. uh, uh, Stephen is uh, is a big uh, real live fan. Um, but like, I, I think it, it, if there is like a, a critique to make of it, or like a contrast to draw, at least like I wish. I wish we heard like Joker man and I and I and those kind of Tell songs with it. this band with the 81 band, not the 84 band. Cause like that, the, the Mick Taylor stuff is cool, but it's just, it's so like, it's so heavy and like kind of plodding and stuff. And this band is so tight and nimble and fast and just like kind of, like, Out of control. Yeah, exa-
2: they're just like... In the best Exactly.
1: Way. They're just like barreling along and, and um, you know, three years after this when he puts together, you know, because he takes a, a two-year tour break, you know, 82, 83, he's completely off the scene. Uh, and then when he comes back, he's just got this, you know, kind of kludgy, plodding, um, uh, really, really heavy uh, sound live. Uh, that's interesting and it's fun. And you know, there's some successful songs there, but like I don't know, compared to what, what this eighty one band was at, like, you know, this is this is an absolute like kind of and just like treasure treasure trove of, of material here.
2: Was there ever given like a really good tour for all the
0: shadow love stuff besides this? This is it. man. This is it, baby. Really? And yeah. I mean, this dead man, dead God, man, and took like, Property of Jesus is not no, they recorded did. well <laughs> live. It, it might be. It might be. It might just not be on this, but um, I mean, we're gonna if we want to skip over. I
1: don't believe you. Well, hang on, no, no, no. We can't skip. I don't believe you because that's maybe my favorite song on the entire set. It is just like it's it's so just smooth and driving and propulsive. I mean, I I I don't need to say much more beyond that. But just like anytime I put this on, like I just like close my eyes and like tap my fingers or excuse me, tap my feet and snap my fingers. And I just like it. it, This song is is perfect. And again, the organ on this just fuck and Keltner just keeping the. I don't know. I'm not being very. Best, uh, I'm not being very uh, articulate right now. But this song just extremely kicks ass, and I love it. Uh, more much this m- much more so than the uh, uh, blonde on on blonde uh, cut, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Blonde on blonde. Yeah. now this is on Freeland, right?
1: Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. What am I thinking? I'm thinking of something else.
0: Something else.
1: Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <sighs> Uh, dead man, dead man is the next song. And, uh, speaking of nimble and, um, nimble versions of, of this, uh, sometimes, uh, n- not so sparkling song, uh, to some people's ears. I don't know. This version is very good. And this is the version. That I I've grown love to, this song. I've grown to really like dead man, dead man as a song. Even when, when we revisited uh shot of love, it stood out to me as one that I actually really like. And I like the lyric a lot. I just think it's like, it's to me, one of the most clever and satisfying ways to have a song about spirituality without it being so (laughs) obvious. It's like a song that really feels like kind of cathartic on a level. It's like, it can be about so many people who just seem spiritually off, like completely spiritually dead. Like these Fish people, explain what you mean by that. It's like that. This song is literally about having cobwebs in your mind, like, uh, just people uh-huh. who are who need Jesus is what it's about, but <laughs> he doesn't actually say it. That's what I like,
2: yeah. Yeah, I think he was at a point where he knew he would. He's like, My message will not reach people if I'm going to do it in some kind of non secular way. Yeah, he di- he
0: diagnoses the problem without like explicit. He says, When will you arise? Arise, yeah. Arrive. Arrive. Dead man. Yeah. No, arise. Or- arise. It's arise. 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 So, yeah. it's arise. So there it is. That's the Jesus nod, but he doesn't like go full tilt. I just really like that about it. It reminds me of a Fall song. Um, called Idiot Joy Showland, which is, like, about shitty bands. <laughs> this song is kind of like that. It's like he saw some terrible band, and then, uh... Ooh, can't stand it, I can't stand it, pretending they're just so smart.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know that this is, like, one of his absolute strongest uh songs, like, in terms of the lyric. Um uh, Or, like, the... The, um, the, the, in in the insight or like, you know, um, originality or whatever, like, you know, some of the shot of love material, he wasn't firing on all cylinders on that regard as we've, uh, uh talked but about come on, before. that's what I'm saying, Ian, but, I'm saying that actually
0: you're wrong. It's a good lyric.
1: I mean, it's a good, I, I think it's a good lyric. It's a nice chorus. Uh, at least I, the politics of sin. I don't really know what that means. Um, but I just, again, say stadiums of
0: the damned, is that where this, this comes from uh, is
1: stadiums of the damned in this one or is that in another one? One. It, it's in either this one or, or trouble or yeah, yeah. well if that's what i'm tr- saying it's like tr- i like trouble oh, by man. the way just saying <laughs> trouble 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 trouble, trouble. trouble. Not Nothing but trouble. trouble. Uh, it's, uh just the, the the here again i think hmm. this band this this time moment in time like it it, it sounds like a song that is more important than it really might be, or is more significant yeah. than it really might be, because there's just so much investment and fury between Bob's vocal take, the backing vocals, this insane guitar exactly. solo that you're getting towards the end of the song. Keltner, again, killing it on the drums. It's just like, man.
2: I think it goes back to selling the song uh, okay. too. Like it's, it's a, he's a performer in, in a bigger way than he can be a songwriter exactly. during certain Stadiums of, his, of the Damned exactly. is
0: from Trouble. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> You got confused <laughs> with like but, one song, but there you go. That's a pretty, same that's album. a pretty good image for a song like <laughs> "Trouble" and "Dead Man, Dead Man." I'm just gonna go to the mat for it tonight and say underrated lyric and and the "Ooh, I can't stand it, I can't stand it" it's like that's great. So in so good.
2: His catchy, his catchiness period was hitting. Like "Shadow Love" has a ton of catchy Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, it. It really does record, like, one of his catchiest records. One thing be honest? I one thing I wished was on this live set was in the summertime. Oh
0: yeah, uh, yeah. It's not on any, it must be, there's a live version. It's on, on, no,
2: there is a version on this same box set, which is gorgeous. Yes. It's like above and beyond. It's
1: great. It's great, yeah. In, uh, uh all of the Shot of Love material, I think, is really like, you know, as we talked about, fantastic stuff. And um, it's, it's a shame that it didn't really get like the do... That it deserved at the time, even from Bob himself, because like, you know, he was done touring at the end of 81 and then he just he went off on his own for two years and didn't do anything like it, like these songs could have I feel like these songs really could have like kind of grown and developed and become more um, or less like punchlines, basically. Uh, if he had, like, had the chance to, like, work them work them out on the road and take them to people and just, like, give them to them in a live context instead of everyone just reading Rolling Stones, you know, kind of, like, uh, knee-jerk, you know, shitting on the record review uh, right when it came out. Uh,
2: one one thing I think like, that gets kind of lost in, like, the revisionist history of this dude's records and stuff is that, like, he and bands do now and bands did then, like, take certain songs from the catalog that weren't quite popular and work them into their best versions yes, live. yes you know and i think that like there's many songs of like, including lenny bruce which he played up until 2019 yeah. you know like there's plenty of tunes where like he and he said at one point in the gardens one of the songs he wishes that people recognize as one of his better written songs where like there's plenty of times and bob is being a performer and um it's not just being a songwriter but being a performer he has the opportunity and to continuously like update his tunes in a way where that these songs can still be extraordinarily exciting live. And uh, it's a, it's, it's weird that people still, can't uh like i brought my dad and my stepdad to a dylan show during the shadows in the night period and they were confused as Uh, hell yeah i I can imagine (laughs) yeah and i was like what do you mean you don't get what's going on it's fantastic those shows Um, are like
0: it's like uh that movie uh midnight in paris by woody allen oh boy where he goes to um uh paris at midnight and then it's it's the past it's, see, it's, it's actually, it actually goes out And then it's the past That's what the, those shows are like And apparently uh, Your family didn't understand That they were being whisked away To another time one,
2: Yeah, one one member did, one member did not uh, <laughs> uh, But yeah, it's the same thing Where it's like, I mean, I understand Bob as a performer Where he's like, listen to me Lenny Bruce is a great song And he played for 40 more years yeah. straight To tell yes. you that
1: And he's totally right about he's, that
2: and he's trying to convince you up to 2019,
1: you know. And it, and it has been given a, a second life. Uh, I think uh, not only with Bob. Um uh, performing it, you know, on the 2019 tour, and, and maybe if we're lucky on the uh, 2021 tour, but even uh friend of the pod, Tim Heidecker, has been covering Lenny, or at least covered Lenny yeah, Bruce. He yeah, he
0: covered it. At so.
1: uh, <laughs> at, his, at the Largo a couple of weeks ago, and apparently no one knew Lenny Bruce was, a, like... He, he I,
0: introduced it. He introduced Yeah, he mentioned it, as, it. This is
1: a Bob Dylan song, but just, like, like you know, if someone gets up on stage and is like, I'm going to sing you a Bob Dylan I, song, and then they sing Lenny Bruce, and you have no idea about Lenny Bruce. <laughs> like, <laughs> did he
2: sing it in the voice of Bob Dylan, as he has done in the past.
1: I, I don't know. He said he played he, it kind maybe of. Maybe he
0: did it a little bit. I think he did it a little straighter. Which yeah, you he, know, well, respect. he said that's awesome. I love Tim's music. By yeah, the way, he's a great musician. General Shoes is a fantastic song. Yeah.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. Where's
0: Yvonne?
1: Oh man. Well, yeah, we'll get to we'll get to the zevon uh, I do so yeah. If
0: we do the zevon one, it might have to be like a mini series.
1: Uh, I mean, there's a lot of and stuff, but you yeah. know I, there's so many people who would want to talk about Z Maybe we'll get some panels. <laughs> Tell me we'll about. get yeah. some panels. The, Lou, the thing is going to last
0: us five years, so it's a, you know it's going to be uh. like an <laughs> I've been listening to the next song the whole time we've been talking here. Fantastic.
1: Well, let's just let's just say, "Girl from North Country," beautiful. Beautiful. This incredible piano that's like hanging out in the background—it uh-huh. sounds like a—I I don't even know what it it's sounds corny, like. It was, it's corny, but it's yeah, but not like too in corny. a cool in a cool way.
2: It's yeah, it's late seventies, early eighties playing, man. It's like it's session players. It's yeah, like everybody it. who was playing with them at the time, and they're like just—they're kind of just like waiting for Bob to make sure he's going to play the same form twice. Nice. And when he did that, they're like, "Okay, we can enter in on the the minor on the minor six. And when they do that, they're like, okay, now we're all in. What's funny about this stuff is like Bob, like is pretty forgiving. He's not trying to outsmart people with like changing up the form too right. much with these tunes. It seems like he's trying to like let people in his band like kind of walk on in and join. Everyone's it. just
1: vibing uh, like kind of on their own frequency, but it all like they all work together somehow.
2: Yeah. And like, I think Bob in other times we like, he would just like put an extra measure in a tune to like screw people over a little bit. Or <laughs> he does plenty of times, which is fantastic because he's like, that's folk music. That's what, what you do in folk music. Right. You do like an extra, extra measure. Um, but with this tune in particular, I could tell he just made sure he let people come in kind of like in that Jackson Brown type of it style. Is, I'm glad yeah, totally. you said
0: JB because it has a, that's what I couldn't put my finger on. It's got that Jackson Brown. Flavor a little bit like that. Uh, totally. That just like, like Jackson Brown is kind of like, he's sort of like what you'd call, I guess, like a journeyman singer songwriter, <laughs> but in the best way. Like, and that, I don't mean to say that in a way that discredits him, but it's like he's just so steady, so, so consistent. And to this day, yeah. he's putting out great records. A friend of mine just like got super into Jackson Brown. In the last year, it's like, he's great.
1: My dad's a huge Jackson I mean, Brown guy. He's, he produced all Zavon's early, right? Yeah, he did. And he was, you know, he was with Nico too, you know. So he had, uh he was, he wrote these yeah, days. Exactly, in break, you yeah. know, yeah, that, that so wrote, wrote these put them days. Up there. Um, the, yeah, it's a, it's a funny. Uh, just on girl from north country this version of it is so interesting too because like it's a five minute version and like this song on the like the the song itself is so simple and like there's just i think like three verses maybe four verses tops and this this live version of it is like so much more about like the actual music and kind of the overall kind of vibe and ambiance as opposed to just that super simple, classic, perfect, beautiful kind of actual songwriting that the, the song consists of. But it's like it. this one really kind of like grows beyond the constraints that him um, uh, it in on the record. Um, and, um, you know, it, it, like this is exactly what I want out of a live version of a song, uh, especially a live version of an early folk song of Bob's.
0: You're saying that yeah. it's good.
1: Yes, I'm saying it's good. It's yes, 3 stars for Girl from North you. Country live. I
0: just wanted to clarify yeah. that. Yes.
2: And it's his like circular guitar playing thing he was doing at that time. Like the the upstroke thing you He's got you a know? touch
0: for the ballads here and um I I my big uh, like regret about real Live was that I did not give enough credit to uh I guess that was like in 84 though. Uh but a little a little bit after this, but the uh, the way that he he did that um uh, it it ain't me babe on uh real live <laughs> I'll never live it down like that I shunned that record because that's one of the best executed acoustic ballads I've ever heard of Dylan's uh, career so he kind of has that touch yep. here even with the bombast and ferocity of the rest of this show.
2: Yeah. Do you guys notice on his acoustic guitar in this recording that he shrums incredibly, uh, quickly? Yeah. It, I don't yes. love that. I'll be
0: honest. <laughs> I think it's
2: great. It's, it's like very it makes it rolling thunder. Stuff.
1: He's high on faith, man. He's high on the Lord.
2: Yeah. And he can't stop playing the guitar really fast.
1: Yeah, it's so cool. Uh, well just to wrap this first, uh, part of the set up, uh, Ian, uh, you had uh, Rolling Stone was one you didn't want to hear. This is one that I think Evan and I both <laughs> would not want to hear, Look, never want to hear. No, uh, but I,
0: I want to say something, Ian. That the the version of bout of Thin Man" here and it's m- the same I'm, as
1: all the other ones. I can
2: speak. I can have an opinion on this as well.
0: I'm going to say, in general, <laughs> the versions that I've heard around this period are the better. Uh, are they? They work for me.
1: All right.
2: Okay, let me tell you guys one thing. I was thinking about telling you guys is that I this is kind of my least favorite Bob song from that decade. You know,
1: I I don't I don't I I I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get in a fight with you on that one. I think I, if, I'm just if you, you gotta, if you gotta pick one,
0: I'm just saying it. was This, works, this one works a little better than a lot of the other ones because and, his singing. He sings like a blues
2: singer, which is very, I know you love the blues. And also,
0: (laughs) I do like the angle of thinking of this song suddenly in a religious context where he's like, you don't understand that religious awakening is happening. Like, I like, I do like that. And I think that's like, uh, probably why he's singing it again here. I think
2: I think it's one of my favorite versions of the song. That I think is kind of an overrated Bob Dylan song.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, it's one that I, I think uh, can always be like excised and replaced with almost any other song from 1965 or 1966. And I
2: would it feels be the like, song he has to play. Yeah. Like it's, December's yeah, it's in.
1: that it's watchtower it's rolling stone. It's blown in the way. Like those are the yeah. one. And you know, you know, we, we've spoken at length about our feelings on, on most of those, but uh, yeah, you know, then man, it's also funny. This is like a three minute bird. Like he's chopped this song in <laughs> half. Basically. <laughs> the, that's, the, that's the best. That's the best part rolling of it. Bang yeah, yeah exactly. Song. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's leave it there, and uh, and uh, we can we can pick this up again. Uh, we, we can hop on the slow train that's coming down the tracks uh, in just uh, just a minute here, but in a couple days for all of you out there in Jokerman Land, you uh, know, Neil. Thank you so much for joining us on uh, part one of this 1981 extravaganza on uh, Jokerman Podcast. Joker. There's
0: a song we just recently recorded called Dead Man, Dead Man. When will you arise? Yeah. <laughs> I don't words. I may reprobate mine. Bringing to strange promises. Dying on the vine. I'll never be enabled. Separate the good from the bad. Ooh, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. It's making me it, feel so
1: sad. That man.
0: There's a bird's nest in your hair. Do you have any faith at all? Do you have any love
1: to share? The way that you hold your head, cursing God with every move. Ooh, I can't stand it. I can't stand it. What are you trying?